and welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode 85 for Thursday, August 6th, 2020. And well, we have no special guests this week, but there are plenty of rallying news and stories for us to talk about. So we're just going to have our virtual rally pub open, me, Ian, and we're going to also have Kelsey Stevens from over at Cooperado Works, uh, who's part of our group, just chat about what's going on in rallying. So once again, thank you for joining us. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. And we're back! After a few weeks hiatus, the Open Paddock Rallycast is back, and I'm happy to have back with us my good friend Ian Holmes, who's been working his butt off, literally. I've been working my butt off in the office uh, here at home, but uh, Ian... Uh, your butt's rather sore by now, I'm sure. Wow, well, um, it was, but I'm recovering now. But yeah, I had another 100 mile bike ride this last weekend. I was helping raise money for local food shelves and uh, did the uh, 100 mile Tour de Tonka bike ride that I did last year and did it 50 minutes faster this year than last year. 50 so, minutes it, faster? 50 Five zero? Minutes. Five zero, Holy yeah, all shit, down dude. to the track. Well, I mean, heck, I mean, it was like seven and a half hours the pre, the first time I did it, so it was pretty easy to get down to six hours forty. So, but yeah, and well, I trained better, you know. The the last year, I just trained on trails, and the trail is no railroad track bed which has no more than like one in one hundred gradients. So every time I hit like a one in, one in fifteen hill on the bike ride, I was screwed. But this time, this year, I trained on the roads, and so I was much, much better equipped for the gradients, and so I got around a lot quicker. Well done, well done. It's definitely a goal of mine to, uh, at some point, do a century ride, but uh, time I won't care about. It'll be just yeah. just to do it once. I've done 45 miles, 45.50, uh, but that's about as far as I've gone. Uh, part of it's just been time and availability, and then, yeah. of course, the time to train for it, which you have to really commit yourself, and considering how your uh, Facebook was about all that, you put a lot of time into that. I mean, you've been training for this. Well, obviously you train in general because you're a co-driver, co-driver fit, yeah. right? But um, yeah. you've been doing, what, about four months pretty hard? Well, I, I think, yeah, since I was able, since the snow left, I mean, I, I yeah. this event is annual every year, first week in August, and it's my goal. This is my goal event for the for cycling event for the year. So I was like... Uh, as soon as the snow went, and the snow went fairly early this year, I was out on the roads riding. And I also did a lot of preparatory work in the gym as well before before the snow went. So I, I really put my back into it this time. And uh, I was, like, really quite pleasantly happy, happily surprised when I... When I when I finished and finished finished quite strongly. That's uh yeah. Next year we'll I shan't plan on knocking another another fifty minutes off next year, but uh, I'll run for a, another faster time next year as well. <laughs> but yeah, it certainly helps the co-driver fitness. I'll I'll tell you that. I mean, we're third. I'm thirty pounds lighter than I was wow. at last year. Jeez. So so I'm looking for a few extra mile an hour from Scott in the rally truck at Ojibwe. Nice. Love it. <laughs> well, as I said in our intro, we also have Kelsey Stevens with us, and uh, apparently uh, she, she was on the motorized version of two wheels, so a little bit easier on her, but uh, she's been getting around on two wheels a little bit lately as well. Yeah, I've got a BMW motorcycle that's been like my quarantine hobby. It's keeping me busy teaching myself to ride. 
So you haven't done much riding before? Uh, no, I got my bike in March, actually. Wow, so that, uh, that, that gets some getting used to. Yeah, it's been a good, like, humbling challenge. You go from, like, a car where I feel really confident in to a motorcycle where you kind of have to relearn where, you know, clutch and everything, all that's very different than in mm -hmm. a car. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you go from feeling really confident in a car, you have a roll cage around you, to, like, being really vulnerable on a motorcycle. Um, yeah. You feel like a tiny little bug that could be squashed. Oh, I can imagine. And, uh, and one of the things that I think bothers me the most, uh, you know, for those people that don't know motorcycles is you get cars out there that see motorcycles. Oh, they're nimble. They can, you know, stop faster. When, if you look at the contact patch of a motorcycle wheel on the road, it is tiny. <laughs> mm -hmm. You actually often need more room to stop, not less. And yet people won't see you and cut you off and all that stuff. Yeah, luckily I haven't had anything too crazy, but I've been keeping my rides fairly short and just to like familiar, um, like, you know, just familiar places and roads mm -hmm. and things like that. And like during the day when it's not as busy. Awesome. Awesome. Anyways, we'll be back right after this and talk rally stuff. Go. Five right short over crest into second small crest 40, full F plus nips. Hi, this is Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Well, as we also said in the very beginning, tonight's are just our general pub chat. You know, we just, uh, no special guests. I mean, I don't know. I don't feel all that special, but I, I think you guys are kind of special, right? Do you feel, are you feeling special right now? Uh, after, after eight hours in the office, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a special kind of crazy, but. There we go. There, now we got the special we're talking about. And you know, and yeah. I haven't done the official opening of the rally cast which is this sound right here oh yeah mm -hmm. that is a requirement and uh -huh. we do have to talk about how, how what, what we are consuming here so for me i am trying for the first time from uh three creeks brewing which is right out of uh, sisters oregon which is in central oregon beautiful little town uh they're five pine chocolate porter so Ooh. we'll have to see how that one goes down ian you're up Oh, well, you do know that it is uh, International IPA Day today. There's so many IPA. It's like every day's IPA Day in Oregon. <laughs> we don't need a special IPA day. Uh, the, yeah, this is, this is the official, official International IPA Day, so I am quite naturally drinking a milk stout. There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I have got, because we've not done a podcast for so long, I thought I would celebrate another podcast with my favorite Nitro Merlin Milk Stout, Stout from Firestone Walker. Well played, sir. Well played. Uh, All right, Kelsey, you're up. Calvin bailed me out. I didn't have a drink. And then he heard you uh, open yours and ran me a Brick River. It's a hard cider, apple, blueberry, lavender, hard cider. It's really good. Ooh. Apple, blueberry, mm -hmm. lavender. See, lavender is one of those tough things because I had stuff with lavender where it tastes amazing. It's just a nice little hint of it and, uh, you know, bring out flavors. And then I've had where it tastes like soap. 
Yeah, it's good with blueberry. I find that the like tartness of the blueberry is really good with lavender. Actually, you know what? And, and I'm going to talk about home stuff and not rally stuff for just a second. Uh, one of those things I didn't think about doing is, so we have this plum tree in our backyard. It uh, makes cherry plums, uh, little round ones. And unlike mm. your typical plums where you can cut the pit out easily, this is almost like, uh, how would you put it? Almost like a peach or something where the, uh, the pit is actually attached to the flesh. And sort of like, you know, it's not an easy way to make something out of this, but I guess you can just kind of boil it way down and make a jam. So we took a bunch of them and uh, made our own homemade jam with it. And then what I did is last night I did some grilling of some chicken and then used it as a glaze on the chicken. Holy crap, mm. was that good. So mm. just trying to find different ways to use the stuff that comes from our yard. You guys been doing any fun grilling in the backyards lately? Ah, my wife is the grill expert in in the house. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that to her. We she she did burgers tonight, and she'll often do salmon, salmon on the grill. And uh, oh, what? Uh, yeah, it's, it's summer in Minnesota. You've got a grill, you know. So it's definitely like we we grill like two, three, four times a week, just depending on how we feel, how the weather is. Well, plus it keeps all the heat outside. That's what I love oh, about absolutely. it, right? You're not God, cooking yeah. inside the house. Yeah, I mean we've been we've been fairly lucky these uh, this this week. It's been cool and not humid, but my gosh, there was a couple of weeks back there where it was sort of like ninety degrees and ninety percent humidity, and it was just inhuman. Uh, so, so it was probably about the same time as uh, sofa when the, yeah, he was right, struggling exactly. with the the heat and the humidity at night there. We'll talk about that in just a minute, but uh, what about you, uh, Kelsey and Cal? You guys have uh, been getting the grill on? Uh, not really. We've been staying late at the shop, working on video stuff and prepping for the next rally, so we've been really bad home cooks. Oh. You still got the massive garden going on, though? No. Um, I just fell behind with it this year, and the weeds took over, and uh, so, yeah, I thought you know, quarantining, we'd have all this time, but actually our shop's been crazy busy. Mm -hmm. uh, people still need their cars fixed. So it's great. I love having all the business. So I'm not going to complain that my garden has suffered as a result. <laughs> well, I guess that's the other thing I wanted to say before we kind of just get on with things here. Uh, but how's just everybody doing in their environments, uh, you know, where you are, you know, we're in different parts of the world. You're in Missouri, you know, Ian, you're in Minnesota. I'm over here in Oregon. And I guess how's the COVID stuff been in your area? Well, yeah, we're we're masked up now in Minnesota, which uh, which hasn't gone down too well amongst a lot of people. But uh, it's masks in public places now. So, so, but I've been I've been wearing a mask when I've gone out anyway for, for the whole pretty much the whole duration, you know. So it's not a change. It's just just official. So it's. It's getting, it's getting, it's wearing a bit thin, but, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is and it's got to be done. Yep. Kelsey, Cal? Uh, nothing too crazy here. Um, we already really don't go anywhere. Uh, so we haven't noticed anything too mm -hmm. different. I mean, we wear a mask when we go to the grocery store, but other mm -hmm. than that, I mean, we hit up like if places have carry out or drive through, but. We haven't, like, been in any kind of restaurant or anything like that since before March, probably. Wow. Yeah, I think the same really here in Oregon. I mean, we've been a little more strict on our rules, I think, than uh, most mm. of the country. You know, the few yeah. states that have been like us, we've been kind of 
a little ahead of the curve, I guess you could say, on the uh, on the restrictions, but also a little slower to open up in some ways. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe that's to our benefit uh, in some in some cases, but uh, but yeah, the masking thing here, not really a huge controversy. Over, uh, I mean, few places, but yeah. for the most part, it's like whenever there's just another person nearby, put it on. You know, I, yeah. I take it with me when I go for a walk. I don't wear it while I'm going for a walk, but mm-hmm. if I get to a narrow part of the path where mm-hmm. there's, you know, I'm going down through a little gully or something like that, and there's not room to move away from people, I'm putting it on just through there. Yeah. And the thing is, is it's not about me, believe it or not. I don't think I'm going to probably get sick. Mm-hmm. But if I have it, I might not even know when I could spread it to somebody else, and that would make me feel horrible. Yeah. And that's the whole yeah. thing about this. You know, there's no controversy. There shouldn't be any controversy about this. It's simply... Mm-hmm prevent yourself from being a carrier that's yeah. it end mm-hmm. of story you because we can't control it otherwise yeah anyway not yeah. going to try and get overly political about all this stuff but let's do talk about something rather political now was southern Ohio forest rally <laughs> okay maybe it wasn't political but uh so rallying is back we had an event kelsey and calvin you were there first of all what did you think of the roads that they used out there amazing incredible Long, yeah, yeah, long. (laughs) How many many adjectives? Very long and a little sketchy at nighttime. Fortunately, it wasn't dusty. Yeah, so I mean, leading up to that one, you know, obviously those two roads. One was what, sixteen miles? The other one, like twelve? Is that what it was? Yeah, sixteen and twelve. Top Gun was the sixteen mile stage. Middle Earth was the twelve miler. I still love those names. <laughs> I'm not going to get over that. Uh, but yeah, so so the Top Gun stage also was interesting in that it had like sections of tarmac mixed in with the fact that there was a gravel run, right? Actually, both stages had tarmac sections. Oh, really? Didn't realize yeah. that. Okay. I think that's part of what contributed to the difficulty, but also the sickness, which I know we're going to get into. So Obviously, you know... We had some articles on our website. We ha- have uh, some of the results and some quotes from different teams out there. But, uh, it, you know, it's definitely an interesting one leading up to it because of this COVID thing is some of the top teams that, of course, bring in competitors from all over the world. Um, we had Travis Pastrana ended up having his uh, co-driver from years ago, uh, Chrissy Beavis, having to suddenly hop in the seat because, well, Robbie Durant couldn't fly over here from from uh, Great Britain. Uh, they just, you know, full on lockdown and uh, with travel restrictions, wasn't able to do that. Um, I was actually a little surprised the Canadians were able to come over, but I guess they were able to get a special um, uh, athlete uh, permit thing. So I guess there's something that athletes can get. So uh, so they were able to make it down. So I was good for them to see uh, uh, Brandon Semenuk and John Hall be able to uh, make their debut with the Super Rally team. So that was kind of cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, but the, just crews in general too. I think, uh, some of those top teams that they have some people they have over in Ireland and all that stuff that they normally fly in. So definitely some interesting challenges there, but, uh, just talking a little bit about the results. I thought it was pretty cool to see, uh, Barry not get overwhelmed by the Subarus. It was nice to see him uh, get a good win, but not without his own challenge at the very mm-hmm. end. Um, I, Ian, I don't know if you were following that with, uh, what happened on the very yeah. last stage. Yeah, I saw, I saw, I saw that. It's like, uh, didn't um, a big rock get dug up in out of out of out of the dirt, and uh, he hit that and bro- he broke a control arm or something. Yeah, so he dodged a hunk of concrete. So, so, mm-hmm. and, and Kelsey, maybe you can explain the culverts that were along those sections. But um, I guess there was a series of drainage culverts and whatnot. So a hunk of concrete was pulled out. 
and to dodge it, he went over uh, off the road, and I think that's where he hit something off the road. Mm-hmm. I don't think he hit yeah. that actual thing. Yeah. He's trying to avoid it that he hit something. Yeah. yeah, the concrete culverts that are there are like very large. They were actually pouring them last year. We ran the stage in the other direction. I believe it was called Copperhead Fire. Like if you name a stage poisonous, like flaming poisonous snake, like, come on, it's got to be a dangerous stage. <laughs> and uh, I felt like it was appropriate with all those culverts everywhere. Um, but what's crazy is this year, the grass had grown up, you know, so a lot of them were really hidden in the grass and the culverts are massive. I mean, they're concrete and they're just hanging out waiting you for you to make one tiny mistake and, you know. Mm-hmm. end up like Barry's I don't know how Barry hit that and, and kept going like that speaks to him just pressing on man yeah um I think I saw that it was a short video that you see on Ken Block's um page uh, or yet on Instagram and uh, of course probably buried deep by the time you watch this because there's like three billion posts a day on those things but um but anyways it shows him just kind of scraping along with barely a wheel attached at the front um what I was watching is you know, virtually trying to spectate what's going on from, you know, 2000 miles away. I was watching the trackers and you see mm-hmm. he pulls over in a parking lot for a church and everybody else is transiting up, you know, to get to the, the MTC and he's just sitting there and it's 10 minutes and it's 15 minutes. You're like, what the hell's going on? Is it just over? Is he done? And then right about 20 minutes, he gets going again and he goes flying up the highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apparently, there was a pretty big buffer, I think, for uh, for the transit for that. Uh, maybe you can clar- yeah. clarify that a little bit, Kelsey. But, uh, you know, ARA is pretty generous, if I remember right, because they don't want people to speed. Um, although he did, because he wanted to make it there without <laughs> too much of a penalty and still win the rally. And they were able to get it done. Yeah, I mean, usually for the final time control, you declare your time. So, um you know, even if you're a little bit like if you're early, they just go ahead and wave you in and then you declare your time. So I don't know if that had something to do with it or. Oh, that's an interesting theory on that. Yeah, I forgot about the declared timing. That is that is a word. That's something that caught out Travis Pastrana at New England last year um, where he declared an incorrect time and that pushed him back to third. So basically they became up to the time control and they declared a time that was different than what they wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh they checked in early i think it was and ended up uh third place instead of second oops yeah it's always better to check in late than it is early yeah yeah that's uh that's what will kind of nip you in the bud just a little bit one thing that did kind of concern me about this is you know they, they did the live streaming of it and i don't i don't know what you guys saw there but obviously we're trying to do this socially distanced thing and wear masks when you're next to people the podium wasn't heavy on masks the subaru team mm-hmm. looked like they did a really good job of it everybody else seemed to kind of not care uh what was i guess the environment uh, you know when when you're in the you know in the different teams and all that stuff that you could see when you're walking around um i mean for us and the other teams around us you know which were other grassroots teams everybody around us you know was pretty conscientious um you know we would all stand away and kind of holler at each other from our service spots or um, if we were closer than that, you know, we we wore masks or things like that. Um, from our experience, everyone was really considerate. You know, all the organizers and everything had masks on. Um, I think part of the thing with the final, um, like when they did the award ceremony, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of us realized there was going to be the, um, they were going to hold all of us um, and like impound all the cars like that. 
So I know Calvin and I had masks in our car for just such a you know occasion and in case we needed to get out and needed them. But uh, so I, I don't know if some of the teams maybe weren't prepared for that. But um, for the most part, everybody and of course you didn't see kind of everybody behind the camera, um, but everybody did a good job wearing masks kind of um, from what I could see. Well, that's good to hear then, because, yeah, uh, like I said, from the podium standpoint, it's like, ugh, come on, guys, <laughs> make, make sure it looks good because you're on camera. You know, it's just one of those things we want to make sure that we visually, you know, as a sport are showing that we're trying to do it right. And uh, that's where maybe what they should have done, organizers should have had some ready and that they could hand out mm-hmm. that were available, you know, fresh new ones to for people to use or something just in case right yeah they should have had they should have had logoed ara masks well there you go that'd be even better right Uh, melee could have made made them for them they could have our uh (laughs) our other sponsor melee design for there you go get get that plug in there i'm okay with that yeah we're good yeah (laughs) but yeah because i was just like looking at some pictures from like uh rally de alba and uh, rally de roma and there was an awful lot of masks at the uh, finish lines of those events so yeah, yeah i mean the, the 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 big the big guys have got to got to take the lead and set the example and yeah it's it's i mean we could talk we could argue about this all the time but the way it is i think they really should be setting an example and and wearing and wearing them well, and it's just not just them setting the. It's also the sport, right? And we want to make sure that we show that we're trying to do the right thing. Here we are. We specifically go to these rural areas, right? And some of us are from the cities, and we're invading these rural areas. And that's how a lot of those infections have happened in some of these places. Um, yeah. I know, like in you know, in Oregon and Bend in Central Oregon, which is a smaller city, it's a city nonetheless, but it gets invaded with vacationers every year. And suddenly they have a big spike going on. Why? Well, because people have come from elsewhere into there. And that's the thing. It's like we want to be really cognizant of that. And as a sport, show the best image possible. And that was a little frustrating for me to see that. But, you know, it's been a couple weeks since then. I haven't heard of anybody with any cases or anything like that. So it sounds like it's all fine. But uh, but really, sometimes just the perception, you know, and we want to make sure that we show the best image out there. But anyways, enough ranting about that. Um, regional scores, though. Uh, so we did, they did the national scores and a national podium, got that done, got that out of the way. And then, and, and you're rallying until what time did you check into the final MTC there, Kelsey? Final MTC for us was 4.11 a.m., but it was after 5 by the time we got released from that final impound. Oh man, I am so glad I didn't go. Good <laughs> God. Oh man. Well, I mean, it is it is based off the old Sunriser, mm-hmm. and yeah. they used to race through into the morning. So yeah. you raced until the morning, <laughs> and then you would have to drive fourteen hours back to Minnesota. Ah, oh, so glad we didn't do that. Yeah, I don't think we left the next day until afternoon. It, we, yeah. we were not in a hurry. No, no, you wouldn't be. Yeah. So they ended up not doing the scores for the regional. So you had you guys were all impounded, couldn't go anywhere. But at the same time, you didn't get any official scores yet. I mean, thoughts and opinions on that. I think the issue was um, there was that red cross on the last stage. Oh right. And so. 
I think that that's why they couldn't get to it. Um, it affected so many like regional times. So all of the national competitors were, I think, able to get through, or at least, you know, all of the top national competitors were able to get through the, the Red Cross. They were trying to figure out the times and then there were some penalties. And then um, I know because the last stage was Red Crossed um, and the time cards were kind of different this rally, I think a lot of co-drivers were confused and didn't calculate their time into the final time control so there was kind of a holdup at the final time control because people were trying to figure that out. So um, I think it was just, uh, you know, just kind of a multitude of a few issues. Um, you know, I feel like once they got results out, you know, I didn't hear anybody, you know, saying have any issues with the results. They got all the issues fixed, but they did have quite a bit to sort out. So waiting is better than doing it wrong. Yes. Basically what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually I have an example of that is, uh, was it Olympus? Was it last year where we were waiting and waiting? Um, it was, it was last year cause it was uh, when Oliver won. Um, we ended up doing a regional podium and apparently they didn't, uh, do the, they wanted to rush it so we could get it, you know, out there. And they, there were some definitely some questionable things and I called out an incorrect podium because it was based off information that I had at the time. They said, yep, you're good to go. No, there was still some inquiries that needed to be done and dealt with. And yeah, so I don't ever want to do a wrong podium again. That's really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that, but yeah. anyhow, so it took a couple days for you to get your results, but they were accurate results, which is good. Which means that Calvin and Kelsey, you are still leading the open two wheel drive Eastern Regional Championship. Yeah, it's really exciting. I think we're what at like 30, 32 points, thirty six, thirty two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exciting stuff. Uh, have you felt like uh, you, you've kept improving your performance out there uh, over the rallies you've done this season? Well, we've really only done Missouri Ozark Rally, which was awesome. We had a blast. I feel like that one really kicked butt. Um, Snowdrift, we were just, like, thrilled to finish. Uh, Snowdrift was kind of a learning experience, and we definitely were not fast, but we learned a lot from that, and it was nice getting out at Ohio and actually applying some of what I learned there Yeah. on some of the roads in Ohio. Yeah, I feel like the first few stages, we were definitely picking up speed, but towards the end of the night, I think being tired and then me getting sick slowed us down a little, but Mm -hmm. we kept a good enough pace at the beginning of the event. We were able to hold that, hold on to that podium. Um, So even like once I got sick and everything, I I was still trying to push through it. I definitely could tell we backed off on pace a little bit, but we had a decent lead. So um, that was nice. And the notes felt great. you know, we're getting better and better each event at writing notes. So, so yeah, I guess that, you know, that's always a, a subject we tend to delve in on is how has been the writing your own notes versus uh, modifying Jemba. Uh, we wouldn't go back to modifying Jemba at this point. There's <laughs> just know, so much, so much just, more advice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you keep reinforcing everything I keep hearing. And uh, for those people that really like Jemba, every time I hear people talk about you know, that, that first time doing your own notes, I, I, I know is tough, but it seems like after that first time, everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is so much better because it's tailored for me <laughs> and mm-hmm. your driving style may differ than what Jemba thinks is the right driving line and things like that. So yeah, I, I, I keep hearing that, that I'd never go back once you start getting into the rhythm of doing your own. 
I think we're kind of that point where we're probably back on par with the pace we were carrying with Jimbo's, just with level of comfort and confidence in the notes. So it took a little while to get up to that, uh, but well worth it, I think, in the long Yeah, and we got asked a lot because a, a bunch of teams this event were writing notes for the first time. So, of course, lots of folks came to ask questions, uh, you know, for Calvin and I. And um, a lot of people were really anxious about writing notes. And then they went out and they did it and they were like, actually that went pretty well like and felt really good about it um once they gave it a swing was this an open recce where you could do um basically as many times you wanted to go by or is it just a two pass restricted to only two passes it was open i think that's really good especially for the novices because uh when when you're just not sure you know and they've never done their own notes that's nice for them to be able to go back through and just keep tailoring them a little bit more every time yeah they could take their time you know not feel rushed trying to get down the stages um and just really focus on, you know, just figuring it out, really. Well, we had a, a number of awesome articles that came out uh, from this rally. Uh, some significant moments, the fathers and sons thing, which was really cool. Um, so make sure you go by openpaddock.net and you look at the different uh, articles there. But one of the highlights, I guess you could say, um, how the heat and humidity really took it. So I mean, and one of the reasons they kind of moved it to an evening rally was to try and cut down on those temperatures um, as well as, you know, obviously trying to keep spectators away because it was a, you know, uh, a non-spectator event. It, it, it either didn't cool down enough or there was just so much humidity there that uh, cooling off was a big problem, uh, not just for the cars, but for the people. Uh, Kelsey, you've got a pretty good story yourself, uh, having been there and been through it. I think it sounds like it was a combination of the tough stages and the temps. Yeah. Uh, even after the sun went down, I think some people were saying it was still almost 90 degrees. I mean, it was still really hot. Um, and then of course, inside the car, it gets even hotter. Um, and I think, you know, the, when you're on tarmac, um, and both of those stages had some really crazy fast sections of tarmac, you know, tarmac's a different level of speed and grip, which means the, the G's that your body is being, you know, put through, I guess, is more than gravel. Um, and so I'm not used to a lot of tarmac stuff. I don't, I don't know about this grip thing people talk about. Um, and so, you know, just a combination of also it's dark out. Um, so you're running the rally lights. So there's just a lot of stimulus that's different from a normal rally. And then you have, you know, the heat, the humidity, the fact that it's nighttime, the tarmac, you know, putting extra forces on your body. Um, I think it was just like a really good well, really bad combination for a lot of folks, myself included. Um, on stage five, I started feeling pretty crummy. And towards the end of stage six, I started getting sick. I was pushing through it. I was still reading notes. And right when my body said, I can't do this anymore, we pulled up on a Red Cross. So fortunately, we were still able to finish. But I think only, what, 34, maybe finished out of 60 that's almost half and I mean I really didn't hear of that many offs it was mostly mechanical and just people getting sick like a mm-hmm. lot of people retired from getting sick yeah yeah that's what we heard is I'm, I mean a lot <laughs> and, and I, I don't know what the number was but uh even even some of the higher end teams uh, there was a co-driver and or a driver that overheated and, and could not continue their rally ended because of overheating and uh, obviously you two as competitors, you were in, or three, because Calvin's on the call as well. Um, 
you know, the, the, there are some fairly simple things you can do to try and help cool down. Obviously, this was the extreme version, but uh, kind of in our article, we talk about it. But uh, one thing I remember is um, over here at Oregon Trail, um, Karen Jankowski, well-known co-driver, um, but she's also a driver. And because she's in that little, yeah, SRT caliber, and mm-hmm. so she's like way at the back of the pack because the thing just isn't, you put the restrictor on that thing and it just got no power at all. And so she's at the back of the pack, but she's very experienced, normally used to being at the front. And some of the th- one of the things I remember her telling people at Oregon Trail is like trying to tell that some of these you know newer dri- uh, drivers and co-drivers like as soon as you're done with the stage, take your damn helmet off. That releases so much heat <laughs> yep. right there to cool you off. So that's just one of the simple things. Like as soon as you can get that helmet off, that's a help. Uh, wh- what other kind of things do you guys do to try and just get that body temperature down as quickly as possible, especially in conditions like that? We were actually running a cool suit. This was our first event with it. Um, And I think that's honestly the reason why I didn't get sick sooner. Um, So we installed the suit just before uh, this rally. And the the cool suit that we have actually pumps. Well, Calvin could probably explain it better. Yes, we run a chill-out systems uh, suit cooler. It's a small electric compressor. works like a just a small AC system, but it pumps coolant just like, you know, those icebox versions do. So that kept us pretty cool uh, wearing those shirts. It didn't keep the car cool, but it helped with our core temperature and keeping that maintained. I think the biggest probably failure on my part and for a lot of other people, because it's easy to forget, you know, you need to be hydrating a couple mm-hmm. weeks before the rally. Um, and that's something, you know, I'm sitting in an office with AC. I, I didn't, Last year, I worked outside all summer, and so I was a lot more used to the heat and better physical condition. And this year, I think I failed on that a little bit. I didn't drink enough and wasn't physically as prepared. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll, I'll, be on, I'll be honest. Yeah, I've only bathed once, and I was like, then that was a Jibway four years ago. That was a four, four years ago, and that was the first time I ever ran at night. And I wasn't, I didn't. I didn't have, I was, I tried like, I, I, I tried ginger and I tried all those other, other things that, uh, they never worked. And, uh, I went on to the scopolamine patch and that, that has worked for me pretty well. And, um, I'm also hoping that it's like my increased fitness levels now will help me cope with that kind of thing more, you know, cause, um, other than that, I've not been really making that. I can't say I've not been making any effort when I'm riding a bike for a hundred miles, can I? But, <laughs> not really, no. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's the fitness, it's the hydration, and um, and the and I, I I believe in the scopolamine patch as well. The scopolamine, I can't even say it now. Well, my beer is nearly empty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this is yes the virtual rally pub we call yeah. the Rallycast. Yeah, so <laughs> the scopolamine patches worked for me pretty well. The great thing, and we're talking about hydration. One of the one of the uh, side effects from the scopolamine, well, certainly for me anyway, is dry mouth. So what do you have to do to get rid of the dry mouth? Drink. So that's keeping you hydrated. So that's that's. That's a way to look at it, but I all that I, I have a Camelback, mm-hmm. and that is strapped to the back of the, back of the co-driver's seat in the rally truck, and I'm drinking that 
all day and that's like i don't know what that is that's like 60 fluid ounces or something like that and i'm drinking that all day and it's really well insulated as well so that my, whatever i'm drink and i'm drinking oh i'm also drinking like proper energy drinks not drinking water i'm drinking uh, hammer hammer nutrition heed which has got the electrolytes and everything in it so, so it's that, a version of a Gatorade, but slightly different, maybe less sugar in it or uh, something. Gatorade is sugar-based, and uh, Heed is is more electrolyte-based. It's it's a totally different, totally different taste, a totally different sensation when you drink it. But uh, that's I've drunk Heed ever since my triathlon days, through my marathoning and um, all the cycling, and I always stock up with i always have always drink the heed and yeah i have a big camelback on the back seat on the back of the uh, rally truck seat and yeah i drink that through the day and it's it's i, I can't remember what the exact size is but i'm going through it's like 40 to 60 fluid ounces something like that well kelsey how much were you and calvin drinking uh per loop do you think uh again probably another failure on my part uh we forgot our camelbacks at home. So usually oh, we have camelback. Yeah. You know, we have our three liter camelbacks, which I've drank in one leg at a rally, depending on how hot. Um, yeah. So uh, we were just trying to chug water bottles every chance we got, and uh, it was just not enough. So, yeah. Well, and especially with those longer stages, I, I, I'm sure there's uh, some straights here and there where you can probably take a sip, right? While you're actually on the stage. <laughs> well,. The really the only straight sections were the tarmac sections, and those were so fast that uh, I don't know if I would have felt like I had time. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Really, you had an opportunity to even like grab a camel back and drink from that. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of rallies, you'll get like a 350 or something like that. I think the longest distance I called the whole rally was maybe a 70. Um, so you know, there just weren't any straights there was very little time to like look mm -hmm. up um so you know most of the corners were like twos threes um ones a bunch of ones um part of the top gun stage was hello hairpin but it was run in reverse so that should tell you how curvy uh you know just how tight those stages were yeah oh and, and I, one thing i guess i did want to clarify is for those of you who keep hearing us saying that there was a red cross in the final stage there's nobody hurt <laughs> for those of you who listen to this, uh, the Red Cross, uh, it was mostly a block stage road, right? The car rolled on its side? Yeah, it, uh, the car was up on its side. And um, so mm -hmm. uh, I guess whoever stopped next, um, I don't know if the guys just had a hard time kind of getting out because it was up on its side. So the next car that came through, um, through a Red Cross, uh, just because they didn't get, I guess, a quick enough response from the guys in the car. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm, I would have in that situation totally done the same. Um, yeah. Seeing the way the car was up on its side on the stage, it was uh, pretty crazy. There's always been some controversy about uh, red crosses and how they're handled. And um, we might do a feature article on that because unfortunately we only have two options currently, right? There's okay and red cross. Mm -hmm. So if there's something bad that happened that would impact all the other competitors, Unfortunately, the only option is to throw a red cross. People don't know what else to do, right? It's not like we have a red flag, which maybe that's what it is. We need to have a book that has a red flag, a red cross, and then, you know, an okay. But unfortunately, in a real red cross situation, somebody under pressure might accidentally do the red flag, right? 
yeah, we, we, we've had a number of these instances where like it's a blocked road or whatever, and there's kind of nothing else to do, but, you know, it's kind of like, be, eventually, I guess, in the correct rally rules, right, enough competitors could show up there and then help move the car, roll it back over if they're, everything's fine and get them back going. Um, and I think the other part of it's also kind of on the organizing side is whenever they see a Red Cross, they don't just stop the stage and then restart it. They often just cancel it, which is unfortunate for those of you that are farther back that want to still compete and nobody was hurt. It's like, well, just clear the situation and then the rest of us can go again, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think we need to maybe reevaluate, um, you know, as organizers and whatnot need to have better plans in place for that kind of thing. I don't know. I've, I've been one that I like the idea of having a red flag option. But my also concern with that is, from the safety standpoint, is somebody under a lot of stress, you know, see the you know, co-drivers and they're like really hurting and you put out the wrong thing and then people don't take the action they need to. And so that's always a concern, too. What are your thoughts? Um, I think I'm happy with the way things are. I mean, I've... Just the two options? Yeah, just to talk because you never, you never can tell. I mean, it's like I've, I've sat through. Well, we had Steve and Katie Gingrass on the other week, and I've sat through many of uh, Steve's safety briefings. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it's it be, once he raised the point of a, a car that like goes off the road, and uh, it comes to rest between two trees. And the driver and the co-driver, they're perfectly fine, but, but I mean, they, can't they, can't, get out. they can't get out. So they can't put out an okay sign. They can't put they can't put out an okay sign. They can't they can't put anything out. So I mean, but yeah. So so in general, though, it's first person supposed to. You see a car, you know, tracks going off the road. You don't see an okay sign. You're supposed to stop. Next mm-hmm. car stops. Make sure it's okay. If not, then go to the radio point. Um, and after that, successive cars stop there as well. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure I wasn't there. There was something that changed in the policy and whatnot, and how that works. But in general, that works. Uh, you know, for, for rendering aid, right? Well, it's the the first car. Well, like I said, if the first car on the scene finds out there's something, so, something wrong, and they've not put the the uh, flags out, they're gonna the um, red, red cross, cross out or what, yeah. the red cross out. They'll do it for them. They will do it for them. Yeah. And then it's their, really, it's their position to supervise what's going on. If the right, people okay. in the in the crash aren't able to carry, aren't able to conduct themselves, let's say, then it's going to be the first car that's going to take over and stop the second car and tell the second car to go to to the um, to the radio point or the stage end, whichever comes first. And then tell them what's what's gone on, and once the Red Cross is out, the stage the stage is going to be stopped anyway. You know, it's got the the next car, the third car along the stage is going to see the Red Cross, and it's going to stop. And then you're going to be putting the the cone, the uh, warning triangles out, and everybody will at some point come to a stop. Yeah, the the, the, the important thing is if there's an accident, is to get down is the person that's reporting the accident is to get down the stage to the radio point or the uh, control at half speed so they get down there safely. Right. So they don't go off and cause another accident. 
I guess the other question I was going to bring up on this is the rerouting. So when Travis Pastrana's car burned um, on stage two, they made you all still transit the entire stage when there was a short run to the highway just to the south of the stage and you could go straight back to service. Is it difficult to readjust transit times, I guess, for something like that? Do you have to transit the stage? Um, I mean, we've had events before where they've um, tried to send us back, but um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not an organizer, so I don't know what the logistics are for that. But um, Pastrana's car, I don't think they worried about it too much because Pastrana's car actually... He, like, came to a stop at an intersection mm-hmm. and was, like, off, you know, a ways off the stage. Um, where he pulled over, we actually went across a chunk of tarmac. So he was actually over on the tarmac. Oh, okay. One of the big issues, anytime you're trying to, let's, I guess, get that many people to take a different route, mm-hmm. you have to be able to communicate to, that all, to all of them. Right, so, right, of course. Yeah. And in our experience, we were at STPR last year, and they tried to reroute us, and that just led to a bunch of confusion and a lot of people getting lost in a way, which made it re- even longer. Mm-hmm. So just having the, the rule to follow the route book and just proceed on the way you're expected to, I think is a lot easier and more consistent for people. And that's, that's a fair argument. I mean, because one thing I just noticed, again, as an observer watching just the trackers, so I'm looking at a map all day, right? <laughs> and it's like, the, the, the rally's delayed now an extra hour or whatever from this incident, and you guys could have just gone down here and then gone on the highway. It's like, why are you having to transit a stage at such slow speed? <laughs> you know, it could have saved some time, but, but I get it. Yeah, you add a bunch of organizational confusion and then at the end there, you know, I can imagine all the time cards getting all kind of, I mean, it's messy enough as it is, right? Having to zero out a bunch of time cards when it comes to uh, having to get a, a set time for the stage that got to Red Cross. But, um, but yeah, then you have the somebody getting incorrect transit, I guess, because they went an alternate route and people arriving at the time control in different order than what they normally would and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, eh. I guess I don't know what the the best solution there is. I guess for me, I'd think that, well, if you can give them a shorter route to save time for the rally, that would be a benefit. But you'd have to make sure that that next time control that no penalties. Just let's try and get back on rally time, get get to service, and mm-hmm. then you know I guess try and figure out things from there, right? But yeah, it's, not it's easy. The fi- it, yeah, it's the figuring out. That's the thing. It's figuring out times. That's the the problem. I mean, I've sat at um, at controls like wait in in utter confusion, trying to work out in times when we've been delayed by by just by the weather on like CUP the first year they ran it. We had a we had a huge rainstorm. When does the CUP not have a huge rainstorm? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it was the rain was so bad that we couldn't eat, we couldn't make the transit times. So it's I like, see. yeah, it's like you sit there trying to get, trying to work out when you get in on time, and it's it's to have your transits 
you can I mean the transits are generally pretty times are generally pretty generous and to have and they're pretty easy to work out but to have them messed with and you're not able to make the transits then that just hold makes a, a whole new confusion for you so sure yeah keep yeah you've got to keep things the way they are if the trans if the, the full length transit is available then use the full length the full length transit don't don't try and save some time right yeah you know, you just okay. got to use the time that you've got that's a fair argument you know um i think what probably made it exacerbated things here is right is because the stages just happen to be long stages <laughs> and yeah. when something like happens on a long stage which probably the odds are greater that something would happen on a long stage anyway but still it's just one of those things that that then delays it further because you have more people driving at 30 miles an hour or whatever it is, yeah. you know, the transit speed, and that just further just kind of slows it down when it's that much longer. But it is what it is. You, you make do with it. Um, uh, so made you definitely have more of a sunrise or rally going here into the early hours. Uh, yeah. Um, one of the other talking points I wanted to bring up from this rally was an interesting discussion about... Uh, and I think it was uh, Alex Gelsomino that brought this up about, you know, how neat it was to have a two road rally all in one day um, run three times in a single, you know, single day, two long roads, three times or multiple times in general. That concept for national rallies going forward, you know, so there's people really talking to talk about the pros and cons of that. And I guess I want to bring it up kind of debate here. I mean, I guess what are you guys' thoughts on uh, on everything, things being more of a one day, but for a national event? I would be against a one day national event. Uh, and you've I'm going to have to think about that. I know I'm I know I'm against it. But I need to put to plan, you know. But I need. Yeah, to give put, me the reason now. Give me the reason now. <laughs> yeah, it's... while you think about that, let's let's ask Kelsey. What 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 are you and Calvin's thoughts on this? No, they're thinking about it as well. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely pros and cons. It was nice being able to have the one day event, have you know the day of recce ahead of time. They even gave us some time on Saturday since we started so late, but. You know, having just two really long roads, even if they broke it up into multiple stages on those same roads, uh, just kind of nice to like come in, do recce, clean up notes, and then just go do the stages and be done. But at the same time, it was only two stages. Uh, we're kind of stuck in that one area. Uh, and, you know, in the, we've been to Ohio a few times in the past, and there's a lot of nice roads in the area, but it wouldn't be able to hit all those roads in one day. Uh, so it kind of makes sense to split it up into two days so you can tackle two different areas and yeah. do that. It seems like a lot of the areas are kind of like that, where there's, you know, a national forest and they're kind of yeah. spread out and the roads and stages are spread out. And if you were to try and transit a lot of that distance, you're not going to get as many stage miles. Yeah. Yeah, because so, with Southern Ohio, I mean, they've got so many different forests they can use there i mean that's the thing with southern ohio they're lucky <laughs> their dnr likes them uh not the same here they use the zaleski forest one day and then they use uh what's the other forest that they use regularly um Shiny. Some, yeah I, I i forget the name but you might be right there um but yeah they they happen so that that groups the stages in the one area you know it's like so, so that the um there aren't huge transits between the stages 
I mean, or some of the transits and like uh, Southern Ohio, I mean, they were like three or four miles the first year that uh, that I ran it. So I'm I um, on principle. I mean, a national rally should be the highest standard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like and uh, so it should be a multiple day event. I mean, if you want to call, if you wanted to have a one day. Uh, uh, something like sofa was and have that as a super regional have a have a, have a long a long one day rally and call that a super regional that would be that would be fine and then you could have a regular then you've got something like namaji or headwaters which is like 30 30 30 some miles uh, 8 16 24 30 maybe maybe 30 to 40 miles um, and that's your regular regional rally. So you could have like right, three based on mileage, of, is what you're saying. Yeah, based it on mileage, mileage. Yeah, three. You you got three divisions of rally. You got your regional, which could be like fifty to fifty to sixty miles and under. Then you got your super regionals, which could be like sixty to a hundred on one day. And then you have national, which is 130, 150? 130, 150 over two days. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I was going to throw in uh, some of the pros and cons that I put out, and these are things that I've thought about myself, but some others that actually posted about it. But uh, uh, the, the pros of the single-day rallies is that it's a great learning experience for drivers uh, because, and, and probably co-drivers as well, but it's on the same road, and you can get faster and faster. You can learn where you can cut, where you can't, where you can make up time, you know, those different things, because you can just keep kind of practicing that same road versus... The first time you're running it, you know, at, at in anger, you know, it's just getting used to it. And then the next time, too, okay, I finally got it kind of figured out, and then you're done. You know, usually most of the time it's only two runs through uh, a stage uh, when you're doing a national. Um, and the other big pro is that you take less time off work, right? There, It's a one-day event. You've got mm-hmm. your one day to travel, one day of recce, one day of event, go home. Uh that's definitely convenient. That's great. But how worth it is it? How far are you willing to drive for a one-day event? So I think that detracts from a national, right? If it's mm-hmm. only a one-day event, why am I making the trek? Yeah. That's so yeah, we... there's going to be certain. There's going to be some sort of balance of mileage there, right? There's going to be yeah. okay, a thousand miles, maybe two thousand miles or more. No, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's one of the challenges with it. I think the other big thing that I, especially like something like Ojibwe, um, and some other rallies out there is you can't do more than two passes on some of these roads. They rut the hell up. You can't do this everywhere. Yeah. If the soil's just too soft and it just keep digging out and digging out and digging out to the point where you're just up to the axles. And mm-hmm. so as much as trying to say that this is something we should try and do everywhere, it just physically can't work everywhere. Yeah. Um, I, re- I remember seeing the, the year I co-commentated with you, Mike, at um, Stagecoach, at the crossroads mm-hmm. jump there. Yeah. I was, I was watching, I was watching on one of the earlier stages and I watched Al get get buried. Al Dante's get buried up to his axles in. Yep, the rear wheel drive car. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this was on the first pass. Yeah, you know, just from it, the first cars going through, it already started rutting out. Yeah, twenty cars had gone through in front of him, and already 
it was cut cut up like like the the racing line was cut up like it was like water you know and he was he was like buried buried ankle buried axle deep i saw there was two cars actually got stuck there on the first pass right at the end the cars that were running at the last they got stuck i think al got stuck on the second pass of that stage so so he yeah. he was up to his axles on the first pass but got through the yeah, second pass got... he got stuck yeah wow so i mean that, so that's one of the challenges definitely there and and the other thing for me is this sport's supposed to be an endurance sport mm-hmm. you know i've probably said this many times on this, on oh, this yeah. podcast mm-hmm. and one thing that the WRC went away from, you know, where they do kind of the hub and, you know, of the service park and doing it was all designed by David Richards, right? When he came, took over yeah. um, uh, the, the, how the WRC was run and made the more compact rallies to make it more affordable and more uh, TV friendly, which it has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, now that we have all live, maybe some of that goes away. But, you know... I guess I think this takes away it's kind of David Richardizing, yeah. <laughs> you know the American Rally Association events if we do too much of this, and I I'm not a fan of that. I'd I'd like to no. see endurance still there. Yeah. Now in favor of what Sofer did, these were long roads, mm-hmm. and so I think that makes this a little bit different. And they they stayed in good condition. So the combination of of what made I I think this is an enigma from what we normally see elsewhere. Yeah. So it may work for here. I don't know if it works everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody else's thoughts on that? I think it's going to be really dependent on the location. I know like 100-acre wood roads don't really run up too bad, so they could hold up to something like that. But like you said, Ojibwe roads, yeah, first pass, second pass even. Yeah, New England, I don't know that those roads would hold up to it very well. I mean, this is a fantastic option for like what we're dealing with this year, but... Mm-hmm. Long term, I feel like American Rally seems pretty darn con- condensed compared to WRC even. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that I would want to, like, condense it further. Yeah. Um, but, but I think, you know, I think for, like, this year, uh, I'm just so stoked to rally. I'm just so tickled that um, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 so. That's it, isn't it? Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, we're already an hour into this thing, and uh, we haven't gotten on to other rallying news. Uh, we've got some other headlines we're just going to probably roll through fairly quickly. Um, I guess, Ian, we're, we're going to talk about uh, some stuff going kind of globally as rallying starts kicking off, not just here in America, but uh, uh, going off in Europe as well. I think the first one was a Rally to Roma that was back, uh, their Tarmac Rally, and Oliver put on a good show. He certainly did, didn't he? Yeah, third 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 place yeah so uh um alexi oh gosh russian drive <laughs> look you look uh, oh no and oh dear uh, italians are just as bad have you seen the guy who came second i i haven't i haven't looked it up um basso I... ba- basso geo gian basso gian domenico oh gian domenico yeah gian domenico okay, there you go Yes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, very pleased for Oliver. It wasn't a surprise for for, for me. I mean, the guy super is super talented. So, I mean, I don't know what. Give him five years, and I think he'll be world champion. But, uh, I was very interested to see Craig Breen coming in there in fourth as well. So, because he was he was there with uh, Hyundai and uh, 
But I think he was testing MRF tyres as well to a certain extent, wasn't he? But, uh, so he had a good run there. And uh, what was what was the what was what car was look at what was car was looking looking at oh god Lukiana what what was he driving <laughs> I honestly I have to look up the ERC because that was a European Rally yeah. Championship event wasn't it Yeah it was a ERC event yeah yeah I so. I was hoping you'd be all over that and have well, those I, I, things the, up the and I don't just, the ERC standings just give me the driver name Oh well. <laughs> let's see here oh, oh so, so yeah so uh so you're running how, how you say which one well look yeah look alexi look alexi look there you oh, go God. you got it yeah god dimitri lepalpinski's <laughs> gonna kill me isn't he because i can't pronounce russian names you know what they're a lot easier to look at and pronounce yeah. than some of the polish ones so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway, Oliver was third there at uh, Breen, yes, Breen fourth, and what? And uh, the thing that uh, the I think we, we can be excited about Oliver, but I think the thing is we should be looking at Craig Breen because Craig Breen came fourth there in Roma and won Rally di Alba in Italy, another ERC event. So he's really, really on a hot streak right now, and he's got a got a seat with the works Hyundai team in Estonia. Oh uh, yes, 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 yes. Indeed. So I think he's really on a hot hot streak right now and I'll be looking forward to what he does in Estonia. Uh so Alexi was in a Citroen C3 R5. That's it, yeah. So he's in the Citroen. Um let's see here. Gian Domenico, uh he was in a Skoda Fabia and uh-huh. um I believe uh it was the VW Polo. That was what Oliver was in. And then, uh, did you see that the uh, finishers in um, the uh, Rally de Alba, like the first five? Well, I think it was the first five were all Hondas. Green, I have not. Who... I did not follow the de Alba one. Where was that at? Uh, that, well, that's another Italy one, Italian okay. one. Yeah. So apparently, um, if you want to go rallying in Europe, Italy's the place that's open right place now. Place right now, yeah. So Breen, Hootenen, Sordo, Rossetti. The first four all in Hyundai i20 R5s. Oh. So, wow! So that means that the uh, Hyundai i20s really uh, stepped it up as far as R5s go. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. that, that's interesting because they were uh, they were struggling, I think, in the earlier development of that car. Yeah. So uh, of course at the uh, Alba, of course, we also had a few uh, WRC cars running at the uh, head of the field in their own little little class they were like separate from the official event but they had like wrc cars there and thierry newville was first tanak second and lube uh lube third and who's who's i can't even remember who, who these guys are some of these guys pedasoli never heard of him but uh so we had like that was all. So that was just one... a national rally then. It wasn't part of even ERC, was it? Yeah. No, that was that was just they're calling this RA plus, and there was just some WRC cars gotcha. turned up okay. and raced that. I mean, they need to get their eye in as well. The WRC drivers need to get their eye in. So they had like half a dozen WRC cars at the head of the field. So well, hey, good to use that as a practice round. It's uh-huh. like, yeah, you it's enter good. it as competition. It's not considered testing, right? Yeah, that's, that's it. how yes, they get around so. that. You got to mm-hmm. play the game when you're at the top. 
Yeah, yeah. And this is, I mean, this is like, I mean, I know it's going back to what I'm saying about when I the when I were a lad thing, but when I was growing up, re, that's like regional rallies would have you would have the big names turn up. You would have your um, Yuha Kankanens and your Hanu Mikolas turn up at somewhere like the uh, the Manx International Rally. It oh. wasn't a world rally event, but it was a high quality event and works teams would take their cars there. Yeah, it's like that. It, it's a harkens back to those days that where the the big works teams are turning up to small regional yeah. events so that they can get their eye in ready get for when the WRC that. starts. Sure. Yeah, that's quite exciting. <laughs> that's quite exciting on that level for me. Cal and Kelsey, what would you think about uh, WRC cars coming to a US event and uh, playing alongside? That'd be pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> That'd be super cool. We'd get our butts whooped and have a blast watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's draws good attention we're... too, right? Yeah, good yeah, sponsors. That, yeah, the atten- that's the attention attention thing is a big thing, and it's like yeah, you're gonna have people who who are aware of the big the big names in the sport, and they say, "What? Do you do the same sport as these guys? Wow." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. I think for us, like when I when I tell people we rally, and then I'm like, oh yeah, do you re- do you remember watching like Nitro Circus? Do you know Travis Pastrana? Like we race against that guy, and then people think we're like rock stars. Like, oh my gosh, you have you race against like Pastrana? You know, we we throw out well, some you, of those names. Um, well, you did you did tell them you beat him this time, didn't you? You did. That's right. <laughs> we've now beat Pastrana. We've now beat Ken Block. Um, we beat Higgins once, I think. Didn't he re- retire at one of the rallies? Yeah. Uh, we actually were faster than Higgins on a stage one time. It was a uh, timing error, but I took a screenshot of it. <laughs> I love that. A minute faster, actually. Um, they were surprised when I went in and turned in um, my uh, turned it into timing and scoring to tell them that we were a minute too fast. They were like, people don't normally turn in an inquiry for this kind of stuff, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it ups the level of competition overall and brings more fans. And that's a value. You know, I think sometimes as grassroots, we forget that the more eyes on the sport, the more attention and the more potential for sponsors at all levels um you know if when we went to pri um the couple people that knew about rally at pri were stoked a lot of people were shocked we have it here in the u.s still um yeah and uh, it's like oh it even exists Uh. right yeah and so i think you know that top level those few people that did know about it even though we were at a grassroots level um we're still thrilled to see people people competing so i think you know the more people that know about rally and those big name competitors that bring eyes to the sport it's really valuable it's really you know at, at all levels we've got the calendar for wrc changing a little bit actually a lot bit because Ch- it's ch- been... changes daily weekly hourly i think yeah, right. <laughs> it's the way things go the way things are going on what, what do we have right now we've got estonia coming up and and but, when is that that's only another week or two that's uh, i've got this estonia is the 4th to the 6th of september okay so it's still at the next month okay yeah then we've got now now it gets confusing because we've got turkey but then turkey has moved 
to put in to find space for Belgium's Ypres rally. Oh, Ypres, right? So Ypres is going to be in there. And then Rally Rally Deutschland is like October the fifteenth through eighteenth, and I heard that is going to be held solely on the Panzerplatte. Well, if you're going to try and control spectators, no better place to do that in a military uh, (laughs) grounds. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. Then we've got Sardinia, which is the end of October. It's an island, so nicely isolated. All right. Yeah. And then we've got Japan, which is the middle of October. Okay. And don't we have Croatia as well, possibly? And is there another one? I think think they're planning on just still finishing in japan mm-hmm. yeah so there we go but uh yeah so, but i heard so, there was some interesting breaking news out of the uk just a few hours ago that if you go to belgium when you come back you have to uh quarantine for 14 days Oh, yeah, tons of the, you know, the travel restriction stuff, yeah. which, you know, so is that, as is much that as the European like... Union is a union of countries, mm-hmm. each country is dealing with this pandemic a little bit differently. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the thing I think it will come down to a little bit, though, is will people get that athlete pass, right, mm-hmm. yeah. where they, they don't have to do that, mm-hmm. but at the same time, that doesn't mean your crew, <laughs> yeah. the rest so. of the team is considered an athlete in that situation. So, so I don't know whether that would have, whether the British quarantine restrictions would affect M sport because they would have to come from like Dovenby down to Belgium. Maybe they would have to bring the team over. They got, they have, they have a works in Poland, don't they? M sport. Is it Poland? They do. Yeah. yeah it's so maybe they would have to bring the Polish crew over to run the, uh, run the teams well i don't know anyway who knows but it's a whole crazy thing out there right now but we do have an eight event wrc eight nine event wrc calendar so hopefully hopefully we'll get we'll get a worthy world worthy world champion at the end of all this I guess, yeah, and a dovetail off of that a little bit is that the canadian rally championship uh, just announced that although they've got uh, four more events, I think, still on the calendar for this year. Just not sure what's going on. They yeah. said that they will still have a championship, even if it's only two events only that two, we're able yeah. to complete. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that, I guess, of being a national champion and only two events completing? Hey, if I, won, if I, was, if I competed in two events and won them, I would happily be a national champion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a lot of work to get to any event, for sure, and yeah. this is definitely odd times. I I just think that what would probably happen is be a little asterisk, <laughs> you know, next to uh, whoever won that year. But, yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, the the remaining events in Canada, you know, Charlevoix, Rocky Mountain, Tall Pines, and Big White. I mean, that's October, November, December. I mean, that's like many months away yet so there's a lot a lot of things can change there hopefully for the better that's mm-hmm. what we're hoping for yep. all right you have a few other bits here ian yeah we we i hear that uh mickelson has been uh testing tires he's uh pirelli's official tire testing driver ready for when pirelli come into come into the sport neck back into the sport next year 
So, I mean... And they're going to be the new uh, official tire, right? Michelin's yeah, gone. That's, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's good for him. I mean, getting a good rally rally job there. I mean, I should stand him in good stead for a, uh, for a works drive next year, maybe. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, yeah, he's... I mean, he's, he's been in, waiting in the works, for sure. You know, obviously one of the casualties of what happened with uh, VW. He went to Hyundai for a while and just just yeah. didn't didn't show what I think people had, had hoped that he would be able to show. Yeah, um, so. Speaking of tires, uh, Kelsey and Calvin, what are you guys running for tires? Yeah, we've been running the Cooper tires uh, for the past two years, and we started running soft compounds this year. Mm-hmm. Big difference on the changing the soft? Uh, yeah, definitely a lot more grip on the soft. Uh, they also wear out a lot quicker, but... <laughs> That usually goes hand in hand, right? Yeah, that's the trade-off. <laughs> yeah, I know that there's uh, teams that, you know, farther down the order, they're like, you know, I, I look to go for a whole season with one set of tires. <laughs> but you're not going to be the fastest usually if that's how it goes. <laughs> okay, if you're starting out and getting a feel for things. That, that's yeah. what we ran hard compound for the first year uh, just to stretch the budget. And it works. I mean, you're going to give up grit, but, you know, it's kind of fun to slide around a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, a little more news about Osprey. Is, is Citroen's doing an R2 car as well? Yeah, Osberg is like Mads Osberg. Now, is this a Rally 2 car or an R2 car? Because remember, they changed all the naming conventions just to confuse the shit out of us. Yeah, I mean, that's probably where I'm getting confused as well. But yeah, it's the C3. Let's, let's just double check with old Mads and see what Mads says. Cause, I think uh, it's the R5 car, I think, yeah. which is the Rally 2. So now you have... Rally 1, which is WRC. Rally 2, which is the R5 cars. Rally 3, which is going to be a four-wheel drive spec of the R2 cars, if I remember right, which is kind of this weird in-between thing. And then Rally 4, which is the current R2 spec cars. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, to be confusing they... or anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, uh, Mads is also taking a, um electric Citroen, huh? he's taking the electric Citroen to Holiers, uh, Holiers, Holiers, yeah, and doing the the Pro- Project E Rally Rallycross with um, with uh, Ken Block. So Ken and uh, Mads are entered in the Project E Electric Rallycross. So, so that rally cross is probably a good place that you could do electrics. Mm-hmm. To be honest, yeah. I mean you don't have as long a distances. It's it's kind of like why they did so well at Pikes Peak because it's a known distance hill climb, right? You just go yep. from point A, point B, done. The way you're sliding around and whatnot a little more and kind of door banging that you're going to have with a uh, rally cross. That's going to be a little bit unique with mm-hmm. electrics. Um, yeah. I'm still looking for the giant antenna to be on the car and then somebody <laughs> with a giant remote control <laughs> to look like it's uh, a bunch of RC cars out there because that's what they sound like. Sounds like a bunch of kids playing with remote control cars. Uh, yeah, you just got to lighten up a bit, Mike. But uh, yeah, it's it's good that we're seeing people like Mickelson and uh, Ostberg, guys that we worried about when that when the WRC cars came in, and we thought though we we used to say, oh, those guys deserve drives. When are they going to get drives? But they are doing still. They're doing good work now in the WRC. Maybe they haven't got works drives yet, but uh, they are, they're rallying and they're keeping their eye in. Yeah, got to get that seat time for sure. Yeah. Uh, one other uh, bit I was talking about is uh, other events here going on in the U.S., uh, kind of bringing it back stateside again. 
Um, we have the Raven Rock Rally Sprint uh, one-day event um, that's going to be all on tarmac. So um, I'm using a single road, 12 and a half miles. I kind of broke it up to where sometimes a five and a six-mile stage, and other times I run the whole 12 and a half miles, kind of going back and forth on this uh, one piece of road. First of all, how do you find a 12-mile piece of tarmac that doesn't have a house on it? You know, or, or yeah. that somebody's willing to let you close it off these days. Um, that's just fantastic. I, I just find that just a mesmerizingly awesome that that's even a possibility. Because, uh, yeah, I just know that at least, you know, you'd think there's plenty of rural out here in Oregon. But if they, if they go so far as laying down tarmac, there's usually houses nearby. And they're not going to want you to close down the road <laughs> for 12 miles of stuff. What are your guys' thoughts on uh, the fact of maybe having tarmac rallies? This is a NASA rally sport event, but... What what if we had in our national championship a, a tarmac event or two? I think it'd be pretty awesome. I mean, it definitely changes up the challenge. And, you know, I think each individual rally has its own, you know, surface set. You know, a lot of the rallies have really unique surfaces. So it, I think a tarmac rally would be awesome, too. I think it'd be good to add that into the national circuit. If you look at WRC, they throw tarmac rallies in there as well. So it's an extra challenge and kind of increases the skill level of the drivers needed to get those national championships. Yeah, this each individual rally has its own different character, you know, and, and the the surface that they hold the rally on is part of part of that, you know, because it's like uh, some Italy Sardinia. I mean, that's that's all tarmac, isn't it? Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, it is. Uh, oh, Sardinia? No, Sardinia is not. No. Oh, it, what? What is it? What? Oh, it's the one that you were at, the Daroma. That was ERC. Yeah. But I mean, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got for the tarmac rounds. There's uh, two of them. You got Spain and you've Spain, got um, Germany. Yeah. Spain, Spain, and Sardinia. It and actually, sorry, letter, um, yeah. the new one, Japan, is going to be a yeah. tarmac. So, so yeah, I mean, there's there's these things like that that. Uh, Add the road surface adds to the character of the rally, and yeah, if we could get some tarmac rallies in a holy tarmac rallies in the U.S., that'd be great. A little shout out to a uh, friend of the show, Chris Greenhouse. He's going to be out there at that one, and uh, Dave Wallingford. He's mm -hmm. going to be out there too, um, in his little R5 car, uh, and uh, one of our sponsors. Of course, Rihanna Gelsomino is going to be co-driving for him, so that's cool. Um, and actually, I see out there Brian Katz is going to be out there competing. Isn't he the one that was? In open two-wheel drive with you guys? at uh, He runs limited two-wheel. Oh, limited two-wheel drive. That's right. He won limited two-wheel drive. That's right. He's in a BMW. That's why I was kind of classifying with you guys. Part of the BMW club, right? Yeah. <laughs> he had a really good run at Southern Ohio and uh, was really super stoked. And it was really cool uh, uh, hearing from him and, and how he did out there. So, yeah, I, I, I like the idea. The last time there was a major tarmac around, uh, granted, this is a rally sprint. Uh, not a full stage rally, but um, the former version of the Empire Street Rally was a tarmac rally in New York. And um, it went to gravel after that because uh, the roads they were using, they couldn't get them again for some other reason. And I think they're trying to bring it back as a tarmac again at some point. So we'll have to see what happens there. But obviously ESPR is canceled for this year, so we don't know. Other news... Travis Pastrana, of course, having to look local again, stateside for his co-driver, and we can officially announce something we kind of already knew in advance. Rhiannon Gelsomino is going to be co-driving for Pastrami. So, you know what? For a couple of 
co-drivers that have been all over the world doing all kinds of stuff, it's always kind of shocked me that I have not seen Rhiannon or Alex in the Subaru mm-hmm. squad. Am I the only one with that thinking? No, no, no. They're, they, they're the best the best in the country i mean so uh yeah it's a bit big surprise that uh, they haven't been in those seats officially before but you know it's like drivers have co-drivers that they like to work with don't they so that's uh, true it's it's very relationship driven yeah so for sure um but yeah uh so no very excited for her um i yeah, did actually yeah. see rihanna and she was co-driving for brandon seminuk uh, because john hall couldn't make it down uh, when they're doing the test up at uh using some of the roads up by um, olympus um, earlier in the year when me and Tedrick went out there to uh, see what was going on. And she was having a ball in that car. She's just like, mm-hmm. it, it's just, the car may look big, but it drives like an R5 on steroids. Um, she says just, it's just fantastic to be in a car like that. And um, she really enjoyed it. So it'll be uh, great to see <clears throat> how she runs with TP at Ojibwe. Um, I don't know if that's for the rest of the season or if it's just Ojibwe and they're kind of do it round by round and figure it out. But mm-hmm. um, obviously a suitable person to put in that seat. I don't know if uh, anybody else is having to reach for somebody uh, new. Um, you know, Leon Jordan's already been local for uh, for Barry McKenna. So, you know, he's already living here stateside. Um, whereas uh, he's been bringing normally uh, the last year or whatever, been flying in somebody from Ireland to help him out. But uh, he's going local as well. So... Um, but Leon's got plenty of experience at next yeah. time, so mm-hmm. that yeah. should give him a good chance yeah. there. Uh, so, yeah, speaking of uh, area events and Ojibwe, it is the next round on the calendar. Uh, are y'all looking forward to it? Because you're going to be there. I have to say that I'm invited to go there, but um, my individual state is looking at maybe travel restrictions. Mm-hmm. I don't know which states they will restrict from, whether that's just going to be Arizona, Florida, and Texas, or if that's going to be just you travel outside of the state as soon as you come home, you got a quarantine. Um, but I have serious reservations of traveling there, unfortunately. Four and a half hours on a plane yeah. mm-hmm. that I can't control who's going to be next to me. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife works in healthcare, and she sees the bad stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That just adds another layer of wanting to be cautious. And uh, I, I want to go so bad. I, I so want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I unfortunately have this invincibility issue. <laughs> 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 and yeah. I've got to learn to rein that back in. So, yeah. Yeah, so. But for the rest of you out there, uh, Ojibwe, it's coming up. Yeah, excited because it's like I haven't been in a car since Ojibwe last year so it's like I'm having to learn everything all over again you know I'm spending my spare time learning how to operate my rally watch and trying to remember how to write notes and all that kind of thing but yes it's going to be very exciting it's going to be different that's for sure I mean we're not not based in Detroit Lakes this year there's nothing going on in Detroit Lakes this year so um there's going to be two. We're going to have the uh, two park fermes and and service parks set up at uh, like the same. Pl- we're going to have the um, at Gladden Construction near near Laporte, and then at um, Blake Itasca Park on the on the Saturday. So in uh, a new road. Yeah, a new road. 
Yeah, that strawberry mountain thing or whatever. No, it's a new road. no, no, no. Strawberry mountain has been run before. This is a strange. This is a strange thing about the um, about Ojibwe this year. I mean, they released the names of the stages, and so I quick I set to and I started running, running through the stages and looking at the looking at the maps and trying to c- come up with a uh, recce route. And I very quickly discovered that it's like the stages are being run in the opposite direction to what they usually run. Strawberry, the last time you. I the last time I ran Strawberry Mountain, it ran from south to north, and this year it's running from north to south, which is different. And uh, I don't know about Height of Land, which has got the wonderful Mackenzie Lake stage. Oh. oh. Gorgeous. I think that's running. I'm not much sure. I think I think we're running part of that in the wrong because there's so many roads in the forest. There, you can start mm-hmm. on you can start on one, take a left turn onto another, and you're cre- creating a whole new stage. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah. And that, that's what's so fantastic about Ojibwe is like there's so many different possible permutations of roads you can use, but that's also really confusing when you're trying to work out a. Uh, a recce route and uh because i was looking at the uh route for for the saturday stages and sugar sugar bush stage which is the third stage on saturday that's actually otter kill from last year but running the opposite direction but there oh are, okay there are, there are is also... that the one that had that big jump in the middle yeah it had a jump in there yes yeah 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 but it is also has three They've used three different finishing points on on Sugarbush, so we didn't know where the finish of the stage was going to be to work out a, a work out a uh, a recce route. So I'm so what I was doing one day when I was trying to plot the recce route was like I was measuring the miles on my roadmap, trying to work out which way which route match the mile mileage on the uh, schedule in the, in the sops yee gods and little fishes <laughs> but yeah so so yeah so sugarbush is another one that's bit i uh, sugarbush was last run 5 years ago that again that's the year that i was commentating with you mike that was the last year that sugarbush was used so i mean we always use crossroads of course that's the anchor stage and it'll never not be used so and then we've got spur two now this is another one where it's like totally really confusing i have run in my times going up there with headwaters and the jibway i've seen three different iterations of spur two they're all called spur two i don't know what they're naming name the naming nomenclature is for the stages but uh, there are i know at least three different spur two stages maybe four it's so uh, it gets really confusing so once again you're over your road map thinking well if the stage finishes here i need to measure the distance back to the and we're going back to service i need to measure the distance along that road from there and if that matches what what the this this the listed distances on the schedule then that's where we're finishing and oh gosh yeah it's a real real pain but uh yeah so it's, i think spur two is being it's the same stage 
as last year, but being run in the opposite direction. And then we've got Halverson Lake, which is another another great stage which has which hasn't been used for a, a few years as well. But these are historically these are historically some of the best stages that uh, Ojibwe has to offer. They really are. So just until they run out, they're great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> Spur Spur Two is one of the worst. Oh yeah, I I remember do, even doing recce on Spur Two. Oh, it it was because it was actually also be it was a forestry road that was in use, heavy use at the time we were doing that rally, and it was like cut up, and we were like bouncing up and down the bouncing up and down the road try i was like laughing laughing my head off because i just could not write my pace notes down because my pencil was bouncing all over my notebook while i was trying to make these notes it was crazy so calvin and kelsey you guys uh have experience from doing ojibwe before yeah last year was the first year uh, that we went out to ojibwe it was also the first event we'd ever written our own notes on so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to go back and with the experience we have now, see how all that works out, how much quicker we can go on those roads. But, yeah, it should be pretty fun. Well, I hope you uh, took notes to all that Ian told you because he gave you a whole history <laughs> on those roads. So <laughs> no excuses. Uh, and, and, was... and, and, Kelsey, when you get to the causeway on Mackenzie Lake, it's probably okay to look up from your notes and say, oh, my God. Because this is the most beautiful piece of rally stage road in North America. Oh come on now! Have you been to Oregon yet? Well, yeah, but but the mountains in the background. Oh, fair know, enough. You are on the causeway in the middle of the lake. That's and true. You can't say fairer than that. It's I, it's stunning. It's beautiful, and you're gonna love that. It is beautiful, but it's also sort of my nightmare. My, like, biggest fear is going off in water. I'm not a great swimmer, so I might have to bring some water wings for that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, that's it. We want to see that you bring some like little uh, inflatable water wings. And just before you start the stage, I want you to see those on your arm. You got to take a picture. (laughs) Can you get Nomex water wings? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't know if those will pass inspection. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Oh, my. But uh, a healthy list of entries, uh, 46. That's actually a good amount for Ojibwe. Um, it tends to struggle for entries a little bit. I, I wish I could give you a good reason why. Well, I think we've got, um, well, we've got uh, the other CUP rally coming up in a couple of weeks. So it could be that uh, that some people are waiting. On In other words, damage, make sure damage. they haven't broken. Right, yeah, kind of wait, waiting on damage reports from that event, just in case. You know, that's so we could the... see the numbers go up. Yeah, we could. Yeah. So. Okay, well, that's good to know. Good to know. But definitely, obviously, we have the top guys in there. We have our good friends. Uh, Michael Hooper, who won uh, Open Two Wheel Drive at uh, Southern Ohio, so it'll be good to see him up against Seamus Burke again. Uh, I love watching those guys go at each other; they're they really love it. Uh, Brad Morris, who had unfortunate issues with his new Mitsubishi Mirage at uh, I think it was the Alternator, um, broke at uh, Sofer. So I, that neat looking car for a two wheel drive. You look at that thing, you think like it's a little R five or something. It's a it's a beast of a little machine, um, but. 
excited to see he'll be out there and gosh I get, there's just a long 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 laundry list of uh, competitors here so should be an awesome awesome event the rest of the national calendar for um ARA you got Ojibwe show me's gone national uh, last time we mm-hmm. talked uh, I don't know if we talked about how New England and STPR are both gone mm-hmm. so so you got Ojibwe you got show me turning to, into a national LSPR. And then you've got LSPR, and yeah. then Olympus has moved to what was Tour de Forest-ish, I guess, time frame. And we'll run in November, so it'll be a very dark rally and probably very mm-hmm. wet. An interesting championship this year, but, I mean, that would be seven rounds still? Cause we've yeah. got, so we got Snowdrift in, you got uh, Southern Ohio, mm-hmm. and then these other, that would be six rounds. So that's not bad. That's a good total. I think that's definitely championship material there. Yeah, how many rounds did we have in the first year of the ARA when... It was six. Yeah. Um, And I think that's the thing that makes it a little harder is, you know, the toe thing, right, for a national championship. So, and, oh, that's last I was going to mention the regionals. So we do have some regionals left on the calendar. Colorado's coming up. I think it's in another two weeks. And that's still on the calendar, and people are really stoked about going to that one. Mm-hmm. Then we got Rally Nevada and Namajis in the winter, so um, so those are still some regionals on the schedule. So hopefully nothing bad happens there, and we can keep those going. So more rallies, more better, right? And we've been so long without rally; it's just nice to be to see that we've got events on the calendar now. All right. Well, with that, uh, any last words, uh, Calvin, Kelsey, Ian? Yeah, I just wanted to throw something out there, and maybe this is something we can talk about at a later date on a on another show. But we've we've been talking about uh, like you had like the father and son thing at uh, Sofa this year, but I I something I, you know I'm friends with the um, the uh, visually impaired Irish rally navigator Sarah McFadden. Her sister Vanessa has now taken up rally and she's 14 and so she's had her first first events and what happened happened last weekend at a uh, a, a closed circuit event in in Ireland was dad Keith was co-driven by uh, Sarah and Vanessa had her mother Sandra in the co-driver's seat so mom mom and daughter and dad and daughter were competing in the same event together well, that sounds um, very familiar capital. to what we have over here in yeah. Oregon. We have the Tabers. Uh-huh. You have brother, brother, sister, mom, mom and... Or, sorry. Yeah. Uh, mom and daughter are in the same car. And you have dad, who usually has a different co-driver. Uh, but you have, yeah, five people in the same family all running the same rally. Awesome. Isn't that great? Yeah. That's the way to keep rally going. Yeah, keep it in the family. I'm all for uh-huh. that. Yep, Absolutely. So, you know, Calvin and Kelsey have any offspring, just make sure they become rallyists. That's all we're saying. We'll we'll see what we can do. Calvin does have a son, but uh, I've seen him try to drive on dirt. I, I don't know if driver's promising, but uh, just yet. But we'll yeah. work on it. <laughs> there we go. How old is he? He's seven. We're going to try to get him into carts maybe here pretty soon. Nice. Nice right to start. Excellent. Excellent. There you go. Get him, get him going on those four wheels and uh, then introduce him to dirt. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> well, with that, it's time to close our show. Man, we've been yakking on for uh, probably way too long. Um, but hey, it's the Rally Pub. You start drinking, you start talking. Things happen, right? Thank you, everybody, for listening. 
Uh, I just want to remind everybody, please just wear your masks. Don't argue about it. It'll help everybody else. And then we can probably get more rallying in. So that's why I want you to do it. So anyways, thank you for listening to Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. And also, please like, subscribe, give us a good rating on iTunes. That really does make a big difference, believe it or not. Just leave a comment on there. Give us the five stars. Little thing like that helps a lot. So thank you very much if you do that. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. For Kelsey Stevens, Calvin Cooper, Ian Holmes, thank you all for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time on the Rallycast. (laughs) 